800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis, and these are the stories we're following this hour. Meteorologist Rick Frisch with the National Weather Service Juno talked with us about this wind and rain southeast is seeing today. Superintendent Frank Hauser joined Action Line on Thursday to talk about the district's deficit. And Department of Education Early Development Commissioner Dina Bishop talks about Senate Bill 140 and what it means for Alaska's charter schools. But first, meteorologist Rick Frisch with the National Weather Service Juno gave us an update on the wind and rain that Southeast is seeing today. There is a high wind warning in effect for Juno, Sitka, and Skagway with gusts of up to 60 to 65 miles per hour that will be ending at 3 p.m. today. There is also a high wind warning that was in effect this morning at 9 a.m. for Prince of Wales Island, Ketchikan, and Metlakatla. High winds could blow around unsecured objects, damage property, and cause power outages. The Weather Service is also monitoring how the storm force winds will impact mariners on the outer coast. A really big swell out there, and like I said, somewhere between 26 and 30 feet. It's going to start out as a very tough, uh, choppy, short period uh, wind on top of swell that's going to be kind of tough. But then as the winds die down and the wind portion of that combined wave height goes away, then we'll be left with a very gentle, long period swell that just goes up and then goes down. While Fritch says the risk of urban flooding is no longer a concern, it's still recommended to keep storm drains clear and to report any flooding to the National Weather Service Juno at 907-790-6802. We were more concerned about ponding of the water and water not being able to run down the storm drains. And for the most part, uh, when I've been driving around town, that looks like the threat or the concern for that is pretty much over because the warm temperature and the rain we've gotten has melted most of the snow that's clogging up those storm drains. That and uh, culverts that are typically uh, along, like, say, Back Loop Road or the one side of Mendenhall Loop Road uh, filling up. But I haven't seen that either. Not as concerned right now with us being halfway through uh, this rain-on-top-of-snow event. There is, however, a flood advisory for Jordan Creek in the Mendenhall Valley, which is set to expire at 8.15 a.m. tomorrow. Juno School District Superintendent Frank Hauser joined Action Line on Thursday to speak on the Juno School District's deficit. Every district in Alaska has a routine yearly audit. After the district's recent audit in November, Hauser brought an experienced school finance specialist to review revenue and expenditure information. This was the budget written and adopted last spring and, and really took place before I even got into Juno. And so the school's finance specialists that I found and, and you know, uh, brought uh, in to kind of help with the budget development from last spring really discovered in the FY24 budget that the budget overstated the district revenues by nearly $6 million, $5.9 million, but it also understated district expenses by about $2.1 million. And so it's not that there was all this money uh, in the district that's now gone, that was here and is now gone. It's that the budget was based on revenue the district never had. And it's like that there was an attempt to maintain the status quo, all the schools, low people-teacher ratios, even when the district couldn't afford it. And like I said, that's, that's something a lot of people are thinking is that the money just went somewhere. The money, the money was never here. Hauser also speaks to how they brought the deficit down from $9.5 to $7.9 
To date, $1.65 million in savings have been identified through operational costs. Um, we've you know, really been trying to you know, freeze all of our supply budgets and trying to uh, find additional costs, uh, carryover allotment categorization, and identifying really excesses in the budget in health insurance. Um, we were able to realize about a $1.65 million savings so far, and we are still going through um, the budget and looking at ways of finding some savings. Um, you know, just in the immediate term. And so um, that's a good, that's for me, it's, it's, it's a good sign because those identified savings have reduced the total projected deficit to just under $8 million from uh, what was a $9.5 million. The Juneau School District will continue to provide updates through its budget newsletter. You can listen to the full action line on our website, kinyradio.com. And the Alaska Department of Education and Early Development Commissioner, Dr. Dina Bishop, talks about Senate Bill 140 and what it means for Alaska's charter schools. An understanding of the bill is actually misunderstood that charter schools would go under state control. Actually, right now, charter schools, there is a final approval for charter schools at the state level, and this would just be another avenue that allows for state approval, but it wouldn't be that a state takeover of charter school, certainly. She speaks to concerns discussed last weekend about if all kids can have the possibility to attend charter schools. What was brought up was transportation. Certainly right here in Southeast and Juneau, there's transportation provided to charter schools. That is the local opportunity to work with uh, the folks writing the charters and having the ideas to create a situation that meets the students' needs in your area. In Anchorage, there is food service is offered, and a charter school in Anchorage has food service because that was highly important in their charter. Understanding this and focusing on those types of access points that you want to have occur at your local level as well as at the state level are really key features to ensure that all kids and all parents would possibly have that as a choice. All of Alaska's 30 charter schools are public schools. Dr. Bishop adds that high demand and limited supply, not socioeconomic status, is the barrier to entry that limits a family's access to charter schools. The data that demonstrate that are the waiting list for parents to have access to charter schools. Given that, if we could encourage other teachers and parents to, to find innovative ways that meet students' needs, I think that would benefit uh, the students in our state and our state as a whole. Executive Director of St. Vincent de Paul, Dave Ringel, as well as St. Vincent's Community Navigator and Shelter Manager, Jackie Bryant, spoke on numbers increasing at the Emergency Cold Weather Shelter in Thane. 248 unique individuals have come through in 14 weeks. Minor adjustments like needing to meet a curfew requirement have been introduced. Ringel says the cold weather, followed by two winter storms back-to-back, have been challenging to navigate. It was below zero wind chill factors, and we stayed open to protect life. So staff was already staying open with wind chills downtown below zero. It's life-threatening, and they didn't mind doing it, but then we get snow. I'm up early, and I'm talking to one of our workers there who does the shuttle bus. He's like, we don't know if the bus is going to make it or not, but we'll be ready either way. (laughs) I think they were really surprised when the bus came. And one of the big things that has helped with the bus transportation is our neighbors. Alaska Coach Tour has shoveled and plowed. The shelter stayed open for the day during freezing temperatures, Christmas, and New Year's Day. The Juno chapter of the Alaska Firefighters Association donated 100 reflective bands and 60 flashing LED lights to distribute to folks walking to and from the warming shelter. 
and Gino came together to deliver pizza to the shelter residents for Christmas. The shelter is currently in need of hand and feet warmers, snacks, and fresh fruit donations. You can drop off donations at either the shelter or at 8617 Teal Street. Ringel talks more on changes they have noticed this month. We noticed right at the start of January, we had a, about a 10-person a night jump. And I think the highest we've had in the shelter is 64. And it's a space designed for 40. That puts a stress on all the logistics from coverage, people bumping into each other to the amount of food you need to how do you transport people with when you plan for 40 and you have 64. Illness has been an added concern with the crowded space. Know that when you have that many people in a space, in a confined space, people who are ill spread it much more easily. And we've had illness go through the shelter and we're working with Front Street Clinic to provide services for some of these people because it's hard when you're in survival mode to get to healthcare facilities. And so we're coming, you know, we're in discussion with how can we provide that because biggest effect on our staff is a couple have been ill and people have to fill in. Ringel says homeless service providers have been able to connect some people to housing, but there aren't enough affordable options in Juneau to meet the demand. I'd love to see more buildings taking these people in and getting them to a place where they can remake and rebuild their lives. It's very easy to break down, make a mistake, and ruin something. It's a lot harder to repair buildings that are broken. It's even harder to repair lives that are broken. But that's some of what has to happen within our shelter system so that we can have a more functional society. Alaska Airlines has begun flying Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliners again for the first time since they were grounded after a panel blew out of the side of one of the airline's planes. The airline said in a statement that it has completed its final inspection of their group of the aircraft. They say they've resumed flying the MAX 9 with a flight from Seattle to San Diego on Friday afternoon. On Wednesday, the Federal Aviation Administration approved the inspection and maintenance process to return the planes to flying. The airline said technicians in Alaska began inspections that night. And the Biden administration announced on Friday a pause on applications for natural gas export terminals to consider their impact on climate change. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers has the latest. Climate advocacy groups are hailing this as a big win, a major step by the U.S., the world's largest exporter of natural gas. The Department of Energy is launching a review to determine how to factor in the impact of climate change when approving new natural gas export facilities, but will not halt current natural gas exports. This would be the first time the federal government has considered blocking this kind of project because it would contribute to climate change. The president said in a statement this pause on new approvals sees the climate crisis for, quote, what it is, the existential threat of our time. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Now you're up to date with local first news. I'm Jordan Lewis. For continuous updates, visit our website, kinyradio.com.